You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello, welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran, the author of A Cop's Life, and the founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Oh, we've got a great show for you today. Um, We're going to have a little abbreviated briefing room because uh, the interview room is going to be somewhat different. It's an interview that I did with uh, Travis Yates. Travis Yates is uh, not only a a, a full-time police officer, police major, but he's also the um, author of a book on leadership, and he is himself a police trainer about courageous leadership. So that's going to be in the interview room. It's a little bit longer than our normal interview. So let's uh, take a walk into the briefing room, and I'm going to give you my view from the blue. The violence that that law enforcement officers are facing in America is, is astounding. Um, in the last 13 days, eight Michigan cops have been shot. One has been murdered, and the and the violence just continues. It seems as every other day, sometimes every day, we're seeing the shooting of another cop. They don't always result in in the deaths of these police officers, but that's not because these people who are shooting at them aren't trying to kill them. It's because of of ballistic vests, and it's because of training that they are, and, and quick medical attention, that these officers are surviving. Otherwise, we would see an astronomical number of, of police officer deaths. But what we are seeing is the incredible rise of violence towards the police. Uh, the eight Michigan cops shot in 13 days. Uh, then there were two uh, Ohio law enforcement officers who were injured when they were, uh, when they were dragged by a car that while they were fighting with two suspects trying to extricate them from the car the driver took off dragging them and one has been severely injured there now while all this is taking place um, you see this this uptick no it's, it's a it's a uh, a tsunami of violence around the country um, there was just a, an off-duty California highway patrol officer who was, who was barbarically attacked while trying to come to the aid of a woman who had just been robbed. And, and who, who, was, who was attacking this officer was 14, 15, or 16-year-olds who swarmed him like, like, a, like a, a, a bunch of, of angry bees, and they, and they beat him. Now, this officer, who was armed, had every right to defend himself using deadly force, but didn't. And I can't help but thinking the reason he didn't defend himself was because he could see the headlines that would that would emanate from him simply trying to defend himself. Um, and 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 but but what I'm seeing here is um, is is violence that seems to be increasing to the point where we got to question ourselves why. And the reason I can't help but to believe 
is because of the lack of consequences for the actions. You know, we're we're seeing we're seeing um, re, quote reforms unquote uh, in in California, in New York, in Oklahoma, in New Jersey, and they're called reforms. But what they are in essence is giving carte blanche to criminality. You know, if there's no consequences to committing a crime, then why not do it? If there, if you don't have a moral compass anyway, uh, and the only thing that was holding you back from committing crimes was the knowledge that you didn't want to face the consequences, i.e. jail time, um, what's going to hold you back? Well, apparently nothing. Because as, as states like New York and, and uh, California and now Oklahoma are decriminalizing a ton of what was one day a felony crime and the next day either a misdemeanor or a, or a civil fine. Um, we're seeing the, uh, the emptying out of jails and prisons, all in the name of social justice, and a complete callous disregard for the victims of these crimes. And as we see this, what we, what we truly are seeing is the degeneration of our society. You know, I, I wish that, I wish that uh, the police weren't necessary, that everyone would act according to, you know, uh, their social conscience and, uh, and uh, social contract. But that isn't the case. We all know the realities. There's predators out there. And when the predators are no longer afraid of the sheepdogs, when the wolves aren't afraid of the sheepdogs, they're going to eat the flock up. And that's what's happening. Um, we're seeing this, this, this dramatic increase in violence, the dramatic decrease of, uh, of, of being people held accountable for these uh, for their crimes, and as such, um, furtherance of the victimization. If we don't get a handle on this, if, uh, if the voters don't actually start stepping up and putting people into office that have the guts to, to, uh, to do the right thing and to um, enact laws and enforce laws, um, this, this, this country is going to continue to deteriorate, and we're going to continue to see violence explode across America. And that is my view from the blue. I have great news for you coffee lovers out there. Uh, there is a new brand of coffee, one that fully supports the American law enforcement officer. And it's a delicious cup of coffee too. It's called Law Dog Coffee. Tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. That's right. It is coffee with a cause. This coffee company truly does care about law enforcement, and they're showing it very tangibly. They donate 15% of their revenue to the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Now, that's what I call about coffee with a cause. But when it comes down to it, you want a great cup of coffee, and you want the convenience of that coffee being delivered directly to your home. So if you go to Law Dog Coffee, Dot com. You'll find some amazing blends of coffee. Uh, this is top quality. This is not. This is not budget coffee. I can tell you that right now. Um, 
they have a, a deal with the Costa Rican government. They get the finest ethically grown beans. It is uh, all done naturally. And the uh, roaster has been a coffee roaster, a family-run coffee roaster, for 90 years. Uh, it is, uh, it's phenomenal. And they got some pretty, uh, pretty cool blends of coffee. Not only that, but they got some amazing gear as well. You got to check out their mugs and their clothing line, lawdogcoffee.com. Check it out. It is coffee with a cause, and it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. Law Dog Coffee. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Spreading the outlaw truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome to Courage Today. My name is Travis Yates, and I'm with a very special guest today. His name is Randy Sutton. He's a retired lieutenant from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department with a total of 34 years of law enforcement experience. He's the author of uh, the True Blue series uh, of several books, also, uh, The Power of Legacy. He's also in the Screen Actors Guild. He's famous for uh, several movie roles, including Casino. Uh, but more importantly today, he's the founder of Wounded Blue, known as the voice of American law enforcement. Randy, thank you so much for being here today. Travis, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. 
man, you've been a great friend for many, many years, and you're the first one we thought of when we launched this uh, podcast and video episode. And I know we talk about leadership every single week here, but we ask our guests the same question right off the shoot, Randy, and that is, what is your definition of courageous leadership? Courageous leadership. That's a, that's a really good question. I wish you had prepared me because that's, that's a question that really requires some deep thought. What's the fun in that, huh? <laughs> exactly. But I would say that courageous leadership is, um, is a compassionate and empathetic approach to, um, to leadership that, um, that uh, bestows upon its, its, um, the people that are being served um, a dignity, uh, a, a, a trust that that, that that supervisor or that administrator or that leader um, has their back and will not bow to political pressure or uh, allow personal feelings to interfere with, uh, with the management and with the, um, uh, with the leadership abilities. You listed a lot of traits there, Randy. If you could, obviously, there's a lot of traits to being a courageous leader. It's it's vastly different as yeah. we talk about in our book and our seminars as what leadership is. I mean, let's face it: if the leadership courses and the leadership seminars uh, were working, would we see what we're seeing today in law enforcement? Boy, I'm telling you, I, I on my radio show and also in my writing, um, leadership is probably the number one topic that comes up. Um, in, in a whole bunch of different instances. I mean, we have seen the diminishment of integrity within leadership uh, declining over the years. And when, when we have seen recently um, many instances in which the, the, the chiefs or the higher-ups and administrations um, are really quick to bow to political pressure and basically just throw their own people under the bus in every in every conceivable fashion, from from discipline to actual um, actual charging in, in in certain situations when when it's when it's just not applicable. But because it's politically convenient or expedient, we're seeing that over and over again. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is is. I think these cowards is what we call them. You know, we, we made a decision a few years ago. Let's quit calling. Let's, let's call this what it is. We're been, we've been beating around the bush long enough. If you will not defend law enforcement that's doing their job, that's doing what's right. We're not talking about defending people that are wrong. If you right. will not defend officers that are doing their job, I can't think of a better word than coward because they are literally ruining this profession. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, I have, you know, you and I, have talked in the past about, about the leadership issues, but it's, this is such a, this is such a widespread problem that it actually affects the, the, the physical and emotional well-being of hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers across the United States. That's why I'm so, I'm so happy that you're taking it on head on because as, as, as the leader of an organization, the Wounded Blue, which is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, I literally deal with, with uh, trauma issues, emotional trauma issues, involving cops from all over the country. And I, can t I guarantee you this, that um, I'm going to say that 60% or 70% of, of the factors that officers list when they're talking about 
suffering from post-traumatic stress is not from the actual incident itself, but the way that their leadership treated them after the incident. Yeah, we're hearing about it every day. You know, just by, I guess, de facto, we, of course, we've been teaching a seminar on courageous leadership. And then, of course, Randy, I got to thank you. Uh, I think it was over two years ago when I had this idea to write a book, uh, The Courageous Police Leader, The Survivor Guide for C Combating Cowards, Chaos, and Lies. People can see it right here behind me. You were the first one that said, let's talk about that on the air. And I went on the air with you a couple of years ago and talked right. about it. I mean, you were the only one that would kind of give me a platform to do that. And it's really been an incredible ride since. So I, I could never thank you enough for that. But we're hearing the same thing, Randy. Almost every day in my inbox, I'm hearing similar stories. And one of the most brutal stories I'm hearing, I know you've heard it is, is this is what uh, these cowards like to do. Let's say some sort of complaint comes in. It's complete bogus most of the time. We know that. The body cameras have shown that. But some complaint comes in. They call the officer into the chief's office. And the chief talks about the complaint to the officer. The officer says, well, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, investigator, I didn't do anything wrong. And, the, and right then and there, we're hearing this multiple times. This is the, the tools of cowards, so to speak. So everybody listening needs to understand this is the tool of cowards. The chief will look at the officer and say, we're going to fire you right now unless you resign. Well, that puts an officer in a pretty, uh, pretty unfortunate position because yeah. they have no legal representation, right. no union representation. and they're scared. Well, if I don't resign, a termination is going to be on my resume, so to speak. I'll never work in law enforcement again. And so yep. these officers are resigning right then and there without any representation, without any advice. And then, of course, they wake up the next day. They call me or they call you and they go, what do I do? There's not much they can do after they resign. But this is a tool of cowards. This is what they use. And we're getting contacted by officers saying, well, I want to stay in law enforcement, but I cannot go to another agency that will do this to me because when you look on the agency website, Randy, it looks all like roses and glory, right? It just looks like heaven, so to speak. Of but course. then they get inside that agency, and unfortunately, we're seeing this more and more. They're finding they're in the middle of hell. And you know, most uh, most Americans don't are unaware of some certain aspects of law enforcement. That is that there are approximately eighteen thousand different police agencies in this country, and eighty percent of them have less than twenty officers. So in those smaller agencies, very often, they, they do not have strong fraternal organizations or unions. They do not have uh, representation, legal representation in many instances. Many of these are, um, are uh, states that are right to work states, in which case, basically, an employer can terminate for whatever reason they want to. So it's really, it's really a David and Goliath kind of battle out there for these officers, if, if they get on, if they got on the wrong side of the of the sheriff or the chief, or if um, politics plays a role, which it unfortunately so often does, they're the ones who are sacrificed. And then these cowards want to sit back and complain about how it's tough to recruit. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, look at what's happening in law enforcement societally now. Um, you know, we're seeing a diminishment. I think it's about 66% of recruitment has diminished. 66%. So what does that mean in terms of, of reality? So you have 66% less potential recruits signing up for the, for, the, for the police exams and tests. Then what that does is with that diminishing pool, police agencies then have to drop their standards in order to fill positions 
And then you have, it's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Then you have people getting in the job that shouldn't be in the job. And then when they screw up, it ruins it for everybody. So now is the time for leadership to step up to the plate and really um, make their workplaces a place that, that cops want to work at. And, but we're not seeing that in a lot of places. Yeah, you know, leadership is the number one thing that any employer wants in any profession, and law enforcement included. And we like to tell out how we need benefits and salary and this and that. But at the end of the day, if, if you're not working for a good leader that will defend you when you're right, right. Uh, no one wants to work there. And so recruiting is diminishing. And listen, everybody wants to say, oh, it's the media and it's the Ferguson effect. And we get into all that nonsense later. Now, listen, I don't care about any of that. You can look at Chief Tim Barfield and chiefs across this country that are standing up for their officers, and they, they are, they've got people standing in line to work for them because it's all about yeah. leadership. See, our leaders, what they've done, Randy, is they've, they've pushed the blame off. Oh, we can't recruit because of the media or politicians or activists or Ferguson. No, no, you can't recruit because you're a coward, and no one wants to work for a coward. They want to work for, for people that will stand up for them. Randy, it's the only profession on the planet where you could do everything right and be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, um, and, you know, at the same time that, I've, that you know, I hear multiple complaints about leadership, I also hear pride when, when many officers talk to me because they actually feel that their leadership, in the, in the ones that are doing it right, they have deep pride in their sheriff or in their chief. Yep. And, and, and they're not hesitant to talk about it either, which is good, because what that should do is create a deeper environment of ethical leadership. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know we've talked about a project, Randy. We're not ready to talk about details, but we're going to help out these officers that need to find good law enforcement agencies with great leadership, with great creative leadership. And we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to we're gonna launch this out here, and, and I think it's going to change the profession. Because right now, I think you're right. Most civilians out there, most of your community members, they don't understand what's going on behind the doors of these police departments. No. Mm -hmm. All they see is a few Facebook posts, maybe some lip syncing videos. Everything's hunky-dory. These men and women are suffering, and that's why your organization, Wounded Blue, is so important. Kind of tell us about how, how that came about and kind of where you're going with that. Sure. So um, I spent 10 years as a policeman in New Jersey, then 24 with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police. And what ended my career, I didn't, I didn't really intend to retire when I did, even though I had the time on. Um, but I had a stroke in my police car, and it ended my career. It almost ended my life. And it was a life-changing experience. But one of the things that occurred was something I never expected. And that is my own department turned its back on me and refused to pay my medical bills. I mean... <laughs> It was a non-duty in injury. It's, it's by law, it's a workers' compensation injury. Um, my department is, uh, like many, uh, self-insured, so they make the decisions about, about workers' compensation issues, and they just didn't pay my medical bills. Um, they knew they had to. They knew they were legally obligated, but they just said, no, we're not doing it, forcing me to go to court. Mm -hmm. And it took over a year. They ruined my credit, um, plus all the stress of, um, of, of that issue. And I, I go to see my sheriff, the guy who I served with for 24 years. And I said, Sheriff, how can you treat me like this? And he said, Randy, this isn't personal. It's just business. Just business. Well, that, that, so what did that it's do? It's bad for, business. Yeah, yeah. What did that do as far as my thoughts about my own agency, right, and my own leadership? Well, 
<laughs> you could pretty much guess. But then, because of my radio show, the you know Blue Lives Radio, the Voice of American Law Enforcement, and my and my visibility in the law enforcement world from being a writer and and speaker and and commentator, cops from around the country started connecting with me, not because I could do anything, but simply because I was. I was a voice, and that was, Randy, I got shot in the line of duty. My chief never even came to visit me in the hospital. They're not paying my medical bills. They're not giving me the proper medical attention. And not one, Travis, not two, but hundreds. And I realized- Oh, I know. Was, we hear from him too. Yeah. You, well, some of the most egregious cases- Unbelievable. Come out of Oklahoma, where you're- where, where you're Don't based even at. get me going, brother. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, so they, these were heartbreaking, heartbreaking messages. And I thought, okay, there's got to be a national resource for these men and women. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I realized that uh, incredibly, there was no national resource. Yeah. So now there is. We launched it during police week of this year. Um, and the Wounded Blue has already, well, we provide, our, our motto is the most important thing. And that is never forgotten, never alone. Because every one of these men and women feels abandoned by their own agencies. And this is part and parcel of leadership issues. So um, our organization has already touched the lives of more than 2,000 individual officers since our launch during police week of this year, just since May. I have a, a fully trained and certified peer support team, and we were trained by the best trainers in the country who are uh, Warriors Rest based out of uh, Oklahoma City. So um, all of my officers uh, have been shot, stamped, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed over. And we're touching the lives of, we have literally saved the lives of, of, of I know personally, of more than three officers, because they told me so. So we're, we're combating suicide. We're, com we're, we're working to solve problems. We're working with legislation to, um, to give more protections for cops. And it, let me tell you, brother, this is a lonely road. And, and very often leadership sees me as an enemy instead of as an ally, which they should view me as. Yeah, we're gonna get really behind this, Randy. Obviously, there's a, there's a bunch of different things out there, and I think the, the community at large gets confused by that. Not every police organization is in it for the right reasons. We'll kind of leave it at that. But yeah. I know you, brother. I know what you've been involved in. You have been feet on the ground for decades without a dime coming at you. And so uh, this is huge, and I think it's going to do wonders. I think that people don't realize, I don't even think law enforcement realizes that the, the best research we have is, is for every line of duty death we see, there's at least 100 officers that lose their careers due to injury. You see, medical technology has been a wonderful thing. It's helped reduce yeah. our line of duty deaths from the 70s and 80s, and we were losing over 200 officers a year. Right. So we're down in the mid-100s now, as tragic as it is, but for – we're losing thousands of officers a year to career ending injuries. And you are right. So many agencies are just leaving them high and dry. They're yeah. not supporting them. We know what the, the pension system doesn't protect a lot of these officers. Can you imagine being a 31 year old officer permanently disabled, you know, and not able to work in your career again, not able to make a living again. And you've got kids at home, you're doing amazing things and we've got to get behind it. Randy, what's the website for people to find out about it? Thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. And we've now just be launched our membership drive. So there's membership available for, for current or former law enforcement that gives them access to one of the most incredible behavioral health benefits that exists. This is really cutting edge stuff. You know, most 
police officers or sheriff's officers, they don't trust their own agency when it comes down to getting help for psychological issues. And, and, and so many of us are suffering from post-traumatic stress injury, but they don't want to go for help. Well, now I've created CAPER, the Confidential Assistance Program for Emergency Responders. And for 10 bucks a month, $10 a month, Travis, these officers get access to licensed psychologists from the privacy of their own home by video conferencing, completely confidential. And not only that, but their family also gets access to these advisors and therapists, all for 10 bucks a month. It's never been done before. It's gonna change lives, it's gonna save marriages, it's gonna save careers. Why in the world would an agency not sponsor their entire agency? Because most agencies don't have uh, any type of CERT program or any program or psychology program. I mean, larger agencies do, Right. Some are unequal, better than others, but why would an entire agency not sign up everybody for this? That's well, we're 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 gonna we, we literally just launched this last week, so this is brand new stuff, and I'm hoping that there, that agencies will come on board with it because literally for pennies, it gives it gives access to a benefit that is that is priceless. So um, not only not only am I am I hopeful that agencies will will purchase this for their people, but also organizations like uh, uh, FOP lodges, uh, police associations, etc. So this is, and, and, but officers can, can get this on their own too. For 10 bucks a month, it's the best, it's the, it's the, it is literally the best investment in your own emotional well-being. 20, is it 24 seven, Randy? 24 seven. Man, let me tell you something. If you're working in an agency and you don't have a psychological program and your chief or your sheriff goes to their national conference every year to hang out and drink, or maybe go to a few classes or whatever, and they're sending thousands of dollars for that, but they're not paying 10 bucks a month for you, find another agency. I mean, we have, Randy, what's it gonna take for, and listen, I don't want the audience to think, we're obviously early into our series here. We're gonna be doing this for quite a long time, launching these every week. I don't want everybody to think, oh, because I've, I've been accused of this, Randy. We'll talk about a minute of things you've been accused of, of, you know, Travis is just hitting everybody that can't defend themselves. He's negative, negative, negative. No, we're not all negative, but there's a lot of negative things out there that needs to be talked about. And by us yeah. not talking about it, it's not exposing it, and it's not changing anything. There are certainly good sheriffs out there. There are certainly good chiefs out there. There are certainly Lord, great lieutenants and sergeants. But one bad one can ruin an entire community. Yeah. And they've been getting away with it, Randy, under the cloak of darkness because everyone's scared to talk. We hear yeah. from officers on anonymously all the time saying, this is what's going on in my agency, but everyone is fearful to say anything because cowards also use that. They use a heavy hand. They use right. vindictiveness to, uh, to make sure nobody exposes them. Well, guess what? I may not have screw you money, Randy, but I got screw you time. So I don't care <laughs> what anybody thinks I say uh, or do. We're going to expose it. And it doesn't matter. So I've obviously taken some lumps from this. I've obviously taken some bruises from this. We, we line this out in the book, not what I've personally dealt with, but if you are going to stand up and do what's right, if you're going to expose the cowards and try to stand for courageous leadership, people will come after you. They will attack you. You are the enemy to them. And I know, Randy, you've, you've been somebody on the front lines for many years. Kind of tell us how, how, how that's occurred to you. Oh, that's... We well, don't have all day because I know it's I know it's an all day <laughs> conversation. Well, you know, uh, I spent most of my my police career um, in 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 Las Vegas, twenty four years, and uh, most of that was that was as a police leader. Uh, you know, I I came to the department with ten years experience, 
and then promoted to sergeant um, within six years, which is rather fast for our agency. Mm -hmm. So I spent 14 years as a, uh, as a sergeant and about five years as a lieutenant. And, uh, and I, I stopped promoting after that because that's the last street rank. And I'm a street cop, and, that's, and that, that was where I wanted to be. But I found that in political situations, when I stood up for my troops, when they were, when they were right. Now, listen, the guys screw up, and then, it's, and then it's, you got to deal with the screw up. But you deal with it not only judiciously, but, but with empathy and compassion. Look, everybody makes mistakes. I've made them. You've made them, right? Yep. Yep. But it's the way you deal with those with those mistakes. Now, is that is it when you're dealing with these issues? Is it a, is it a matter of the heart or the head? Right? Did somebody screw up because they they purposefully you know um, uh, uh, had an ethical lapse, or or did they you know did was it a mistake of oh uh, you know I tried to do the right thing but I screwed up anyway? Well, you you go about it differently. So when I would stand up for my people. And then um, when I saw some, some issues take place in upper command, and I pointed it out, um, I, became, I became a pariah. Um, I, you know, uh, assignments were denied me. Um, uh, they came after me. I, I mean, <laughs> there was, I could go into it in a big way, but I actually um, got on the wrong side of uh, somebody very, very high up in the department. And they actually came after me to try and arrest me um, at one point. So believe me, I know from whence you speak, I've seen it, I've lived it. And you know what? It made me a better leader. Because when you experience that type of leadership, you understand how it affects the people that you work with and who work for you. And that makes me want to be a better leader. Yeah, and that, that does two things. This is another common tool from cowards is it does, it accomplishes two things, Randy. It's designed to shut you up and shut you down right. so you don't expose them. But it also accomplishes something that has worked rather well. It is a, uh, it silences everybody else from doing what you did. Because right. they exactly. look at you and say, holy cow, look what they're doing to Randy. And he was just standing up doing what's right. I better keep my mouth shut. And you know what, that, that works really well. I have found myself, when I've been in the middle of some of these battles, just like you have, when I look around, not a lot of friends hanging out with me anymore, right? They, all, mm -hmm. my, all the people I thought were tight, they were like, hey, man, I can't get involved in this because people are about me, myself, and I. And a huge trait with courageous leadership is, is no, it's not me, myself, and I. It's my troops, my troops, my troops. I care yeah. about them more than my personal safety or my personal you know, uh, comfort, so to speak. You know, I, I, I consider myself very fortunate because early on in my career, I had a, a leader. He was a sergeant. He wound up becoming the chief of police um, of my old department. And, um, and I saw, demonstrated what ethical, courageous leadership was firsthand from this man. He didn't have any, he didn't have a college degree. He didn't have the FBI National Academy, when, when I was working for him, he eventually did. He didn't have any letters behind his name, but this guy knew how to treat people. And he knew that, that if he provided the support and guidance in an ethical, com compassionate way, that he would get the most out of his people. And it was a valuable lesson to me. He really, he's, to my, he's my friend to this day. And I met him when I was 16 years old as a cadet 
which shows you the value and loyalty that you can garner if you are a compassionate, ethical leader. Yeah, Randy, we have a lot of uh, line officers. And I want to say this as they're listening. When we talk about leadership, it's not about people of rank. I can guarantee you this. I've been promoted, I don't know, four or five times. And each time I didn't get any smarter. I didn't, I didn't get any more wisdom. I just happened to perform well on a test or whatever that was. So that's, that's bogus, right? Everybody's a leader. And I think if law enforcement could embrace this. Now, I know what happens in agencies is the agencies basically say, you need to be quiet. No, you're not a leader because you didn't pass a test or you didn't do this. You didn't. It's crazy, right? So, so I, when we talk about leadership, we're speaking about every single person from the first day officer to the 35-year veteran. So if they're out here listening, Randy, maybe they don't have a rank but they're inside an agency and they see some problems. What advice would you give them? Be true to yourself. That's number one. Be true to your own personal code of honor and ethics and never allow someone to run roughshod over you. Stand up for yourself, stand up for what you believe in. And, and I guarantee you that you're going to get kicked in the teeth a couple times, but you got to live with yourself more than anything else. Yeah, and understand this, when you get kicked in the teeth, because that will happen if you stand up for what's right, you know you're doing something right, right? I mean, that's what I, I love about it is, is, is some things have happened to me in recent months or, or a couple last couple of years, and every time it happens to me, I just go to my book and go, yeah, I actually wrote about this. This is yeah. doing something right. And you, you either use that, Randy, to fuel yourself, to say, I've got to double down and continue to do what's right, or you run away from it. And of course, a lot of people run away from it because comfort is, is, is much more nice and involved to be in. But at the end of the day, I think you alluded to it, Randy, you have to sleep at night. You have to, you have to get to the end of your career and know you did what was right. And I can guarantee you, even though somebody may be out there taking their lumps or taking their bruise for doing what's right, the person doing it to you, they're not sleeping well at night. They know what they're doing. They know that they have sold out uh, this fine profession to, for, to cowards. And so we, we want to encourage you to continue on and to push the envelope because that's the only way we're going to get this profession back. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, we're seeing, I don't know that, I don't know that, that people ever really change, but you can grow. And, you, and, and if you're open to, you're open to personal growth and professional growth, um, that just aids you in, in, your personal accomplishments and by doing so you you can develop you can develop yourself as a leader but it, but most of it comes from within not from without yeah man it's incredible stuff randy and i we've been talking about some serious stuff and this is not the only time we're going to talk to you in fact we do a, a what we call a courageous leadership roundtable we bring on three or four leaders once a week and we we just talk about current issues and so we're gonna to have to get you in on that order uh, where you're getting to come on and talk with all these other great leaders because i need i need people to also understand this if they're in a bad position a bad department there is hope there's a lot of good places out there there's a lot of good leaders out there uh i mean i wrote this little book and just threw it on amazon with no marketing and the thing's gone crazy because i think people are thirsty for leadership and so i think as a whole our profession's in a good place we've just got to either push the cowards out or get the cowards to go in a different direction. But so much of that is, is political and everything else. But there is hope, I think. And I think you're providing that with what you're doing, Randy. Uh, hopefully we can offer something to that. But getting away from the seriousness for a bit, you've got an incredible life, man. I mean, you have, uh, I know you, uh, you've written several books. 
Uh, of course, you can find them all on Amazon. Type in Randy Sutton and get those. Let me encourage everybody to get those. Uh, you, you kind of started your, I guess, television career with the reality show Cops. Uh, that transitioned to, I think you were in Casino. That's, I, I first saw you in Cops at Casino. I remember the first time I saw you at a conference, I was like a fanboy, right? I was thinking, I don't, I don't know what I think <laughs> you, but you know, I'm sure I mumbled a little bit. Uh, but, uh, and then you, I think you recently played another role in the movie. I'm going to let you just kind of give, give, give our audience a couple of pretty cool stories that you've had kind of being behind a camera and meeting some of these stars out there. You know, um, none of this was, was ever planned. I never planned to be an author. I never planned to be a, an actor. I never planned to create a charitable organization. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate. by When I, I left a 30-officer police department to join Las Vegas PD, I was halfway to retirement. It was a very difficult decision. Um, but I, didn't, I wasn't experiencing the personal and professional growth that, that, I, that I really craved. So when I came to Las Vegas Metro PD, I started all over, had to go through the academy again, start my career again. And then suddenly this new reality show pops up, Cops. And um, it'd be, uh, the second season, they were shooting in Las Vegas. And the way they chose their officers was they went to a sergeant. They always wrote swing shift because that's where the most action was. And they would ask a sergeant, who's a guy that's, uh, that, that loves to get in the mix? And the sergeants would say, Let, let's try, try Randy. So they would, the producer would come with me and with just a handheld camera and then watch how I acted. Did I act up for the camera? Did I, you know, was I, was I hamming it up? And so they looked for people who, who, who were just doing their job. And um, I was very fortunate that they got three seasons with me and got, you know, I, I think I was the most featured officer on the, on the show at the time. And, um, and so that, show, that, that showed me the power of television. Um, there were people that contacted me um, that actually joined the police department and then came to me and said, you're the reason I joined the Las Vegas Police Department. Yep. Because I saw you and, and, and I liked the way you handled yourself. And so I, I saw your pride in your department. So it's a huge tool, right? It's an it's a amazing recruiting tool. So um, from that, one day I get a phone call from a, from a uh, casting director. Uh, there's going to be a film shot in Las Vegas, and the director wants realism in the part of a police officer. Would you come down and do an audition? I said, sure, I'm always up for a new adventure, right? So I walk into the old Riviera Hotel. I walk into a suite, and who's standing there? The Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. That's and crazy, they're filming man. Casino. And my, my audition consisted of me telling them war stories about being a Vegas cop. And they said, you got the part. And that's how I got in the Screen Actors Guild and then did movies. And I've been doing movies and television roles, small roles. Yeah. Uh, my biggest role was uh, I got to play a bad guy. Uh, I co-starred in the premiere episode of the television show Las Vegas with James Yeah, Conn. that's right. And that was kind of cool. Well, I just, I just finished filming a movie that has a great personal um, a story for me. I was hoping and that to is, that, yeah. Yeah, it's called The Wish Man. Yeah. And it is the true story of the man who created the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Mr. Frank Shankwitz. And um, in the weird way that the world works, Travis, I met Frank after I had my stroke. And my, my doctors gave me a, a very dim prognosis. And I wanted, to, I wanted to leave a legacy of something very positive. And I saw Frank telling his story on a newscast 
And I said, that's it. I want to talk to people like that from around the country who have given so much to this, to this country about who their personal heroes were with the idea in mind that, that everybody could become a personal hero. And that's when I wrote the book, The Power of Legacy, Personal Heroes of America's Most Inspiring People. So I go to meet Frank, and most people don't know this, but Frank created the Make-A-Wish Foundation when he was an Arizona state trooper. Yep. And he stayed a cop for 40 years. The man is an honest to God, no bullshit hero, right? Yep. So I, I meet him writing the book. He and I have become very close friends. He's now on the board of directors of The Wounded Blue, and a movie just came out about his life. It's called The Wish Man, and, uh, and I got to play a role in that too. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting the way that life's journey works. And, um, you know, that was, it's really, it's really a, to me, it's a pretty cool thing. Well, I think you said something that everybody needs to hear from a leadership standpoint. You didn't intend to do this. You didn't intend to be an author. You didn't intend to play in movies. And, and I'm always nervous about people that come up to me, whether it's at a seminar or an event I'm at, and they go, hey, I want to do what you do. I want to teach. I want to speak. I want to write. And I go, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not how you get into this and be successful, right? I mean, you're a prime example of that. You, you, you just be the best cop you can be. You work hard. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes things don't. But I think that is why you've been so successful, Randy, is this wasn't something that you tried to do. But because of who you are and what you stood for, it happened for you, and you're just so gifted at it. And, and you've left – you know, I know uh, – by the way, get that book, the, the, the Legacy book. Tell us the name of it again, where to get it, Randy. The Power of Legacy, Personal Heroes of America's Most Inspiring People. It's on Amazon, and um, that's, that's the best place. Yeah, it, it's, it's an incredible book. I think it's my favorite. I may be biased, but I think it's my favorite. You've written so many great ones. Of course, True Blue, you've written a couple of True Blue ones. And, and a lot of your proceeds uh, didn't go to you. They went to that. Uh, I, mean, I won't even make it up. Just tell us where a lot of your proceeds have gone in recent years through all the writing you've done, Randy. Well, my first book, True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Live Them, um, that's a book I never intended to write. But um, I had a life-changing experience early in my career. Um, where I saved the life of a one-month-old baby in a drive-by shooting. And that night, it, 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 it moved me so much. It was such a significant um, act for me that I sat in my home and I wrote the story. I didn't have anything to do with it. I just felt like I needed to write it. And I stuck it in a drawer and there it sat for several years. And then when the World Trade Center was attacked and we lost 72 police officers, I, I, w I was so frustrated. I felt like I needed to do something for those men and women. And then I remembered that story that was in that drawer. And I said, wait a minute. Cops all over the country have stories like this. I'm going to ask them to write them. And then I'm going to put them in a book, and I'm going to give all the proceeds to the Widows and Orphans Fund for those cops who were killed. And that's exactly what I did. And that, that book changed my life. Um, and I didn't, I didn't take one penny. In fact, I lost about $10,000 because yeah. I said all the proceeds are going. So that meant that everything went, even, even the costs that it cost me. Uh, but that, that was, that was a life changing experience. And that led me to write my next book, which was all my own stories called the cop's life, which is still selling pretty good. And you know, here's the, here's the interesting thing about being a writer. You touch lives in ways that you never could have imagined. I've had, I'm going to say no less than five cops contact me personally and say, Randy, you saved my life with that book. And I said, what do you mean? They said, I thought that I was alone 
in those feelings that you that you put out on paper. And he said, when I realized that I wasn't, it saved my life. And that's the thing about law enforcement. We share this common set of experiences and it affects us. And, and sometimes we're told that's not normal, but it is normal. It's normal to be affected by the things that we see. And that is, is, is part and parcel of why leadership is so vital. Because by, by being a leader, you can actually play a role in, in, the, in the growth, in the, in, the, in the life of people that you work with. And there's no greater responsibility than that. Yeah. Randy, you, uh, man, I cannot think of anyone that has left more of a legacy than you. And you still have a lot of years left. And uh, so, what, a, what a journey, brother. I mean, you haven't written a biography yet, but I need to read that biography. It's incredible, man. Uh, I, I've always counted you as one of my dearest friends. Uh, it's incredible uh, what you've done to this profession. You're, you're, you're my mentor, so to speak. I really look up to you. Tell the audience where they can find you, Randy, where they can reach out to you. I am so easy to find. First of all, my website, which is um, the 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 uh, woundedblue.org, that's for my organization. Um, if you want to know more about me, go to randysuttonspeaks.com. That's got all kinds of information. It's got all my cops episodes. It even has my my, my album of, of, of uh, classic tunes. And uh, I bet you didn't know that, did you, Travis? Hey, nothing surprised me with you, brother. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, you just, whatever you tell me, I'm going to see like, yeah, that's Randy Sutton. <laughs> well, um, and then uh, I'm on Facebook uh, under the voice of American law enforcement. And listen to my podcast. Uh, my podcast on my radio show is on America Out Loud. Um, you can just uh, download it on iTunes. It's Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. Now I have a streaming television show, too. Uh, it's on uh, Laura Ingram's network. It's called Life Zet, L-I-F-E-Z. And uh, it's the voice of American law enforcement. So I'm about the easiest guy to spot, man. I'm everywhere. Randy Sutton, the voice of American law enforcement, incredible leader, incredible example of courageous leadership. You've joined us today on Courageous Today. Thank you for being here, and thank you, Randy. My pleasure, Travis. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. There's something very important I want you to do for me. If you've been listening to the voice of American law enforcement for any time, you know that we are very dedicated to the law enforcement community here. I would like you to go to a website. It's www.thewoundedblue.org. I want you to read about how we at this organization are aiding injured and disabled law enforcement officers. If you are a law enforcement officer and you have been injured or disabled and you feel forgotten and alone, this is why we exist. We have it fully trained peer support team, all made up of police officers who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed up. They know what you're going through, and we exist for you. You are the part of the Blue family, and you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Unfortunately, many police agencies and cities do not treat their officers with respect and dignity when they are injured, either physically or emotionally. So go to thewoundedblue.org. If you are a citizen and you want to help, please check out how you can join And if you're a police officer or have them, exist for you. So check out thewoundedblue.org. Now, I would also urge you 
to see our film. It is on Amazon, it is on iTunes, it's the Microsoft Store, it's pretty much every platform you can imagine. It's called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You would be shocked at how the men and women of this, you know, the law enforcement community in this country, many are being treated with such disrespect. Many people, most people, even cops, believe that if you are severely injured in the line of duty, you're going to be taken care of financially and emotionally. In many cases, that is not true. Please watch the film and help the Wounded Blue. It's your news and entertainment network. News blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 Talk Radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. I have one name to read this week. He is Master at Arms Oscar J. Tamores of the United States Navy Security Forces. Master at Arms 3rd Class Oscar Tamores was killed when his patrol car was intentionally struck by a vehicle that had run the gate at the Joint Expeditionary Base Little Creek Fort Story in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The vehicle entered Fort Story at Gate 8 on Atlantic Avenue by driving the wrong way in the outbound lanes at a high rate of speed at 7.35 p.m. Personnel at the gate immediately requested assistance, and Master at Arms Tamores began to respond to the scene. The civilian driver of the vehicle intentionally struck Master at Arms Tamores' patrol car head-on as he responded, his, uh, was transported to Virginia Beach General Hospital, where he died a short time later. The subject, who was also injured, was taken into custody. His motive for entering the base is under investigation. Master at Arms Tamores had served with the U.S. Navy Security Forces for only 10 months. He is survived by his wife and two-year-old son. Master at Arms Oscar J. Tamores, United States Security Forces, end of watch, Saturday, November 30th, 2019. May he rest in peace as he joins his 111 brothers and sisters who also gave their lives in the line of duty this year. Thanks for tuning in this week to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. I would ask that you uh, join me on Facebook at the voice of American law enforcement. If you're a Twitter, I'm at LT Randy Sutton. And always support wounded and disabled police officers by going to thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. And do what you can to help these men and women who have sacrificed so much for their communities. See you next week.